0: Um, Today, I'm continuing on in the uh, studies that I've been doing having to do with understanding the worldviews that are happening today, both in the world and in Christianity. And I actually came up with a designation for... People who, especially for these students at Oral Roberts University, back in the 70s, and I called them glitter Christians. And even back then, I had come to realize that their way of representing Christianity wasn't really in line with the scriptures. At that time, I didn't really know anything about these guys. I didn't know about Oral Roberts, and I didn't know that he was teaching Word of faith traditions of New Thought practitioners such as Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Essex Kenyon, Norman Vincent Peale, Robert Schuler, and many other false teachers of the time. Though I didn't know anything about Word of Faith or New Thought then, I knew that the way that they were representing Christianity was just not right somehow. Their desire to portray, portray Christians as rich beautiful, healthy, perfect, and virtually sinless, went directly against the example of Jesus, the apostles, and the early church. So in writing this article, I was borrowing from an Alistair Begg series called Good News, Bad News, and I got, I got the feeling that these modern so-called Christians believed that they were king's kids, But that any suffering in Christianity, well, that belonged to Jesus and the apostles in the early church, and they didn't need to participate in persecution or or ridicule. Now, I later realized that these people, along with the millions that they have led down the garden path of prosperity teaching, are the very picture of the end times Laodicean church spoken of in Revelation. They are the church that thinks they're rich. And need nothing, but who are actually lukewarm and in danger of being spit out of the Lord's mouth. Revelation 3.17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You know, they believe that they are the most anointed generation ever in Christianity when they're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They could never say with Paul that they are an off-scouring because, ew, that's just gross. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 14, 13, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as a filth of the world, are the off-scouring of all things unto this day. You know, they've been taught for many decades now that they're not garbage. They're the spiritual elite. They're the ones who are going to take over the world and save the planet. They're the ones who will fix the world before Christ comes back. But little do they know that they're actually deceived. And they can't possibly save this planet until the resurrection and return of Christ where he is the one who's going to solve those problems. But we got false teachers like Rick Warren uh, claiming that the church will solve problems like hunger, lack of education, disease. I mean, can you believe this quote? This is from his message on his peace plan. He said, quote, during the five weekends of November, we will teach five messages on the peace plan, a strategy to have a very Every small group in our church, and then tens of thousands of small groups in other churches become engaged engaged in solving the five biggest problems in the world. Spiritual lostness, lack of godly leaders, poverty, disease, and the lack of education. Of course, I have to ask myself, where were they during the pandemic? Hmm. But you know what? That whole kind of claim is... Patently false. It's a lie. And it has nothing to do with a true biblically born again Christian and what we're commanded to accomplish. The Great Commission of Christ hasn't magically disappeared in our time. It's not supposed to. But those who want to bring in the new age of universalism, pluralism, and postmodernism do not tolerate the exclusive claims of Christ, nor are they sharing those, sharing it with those who do not know him. You know, instead, they'd rather talk about the things they believe all people have in common in an unregenerate world of useless religions rather than talk about the ultimate reality of Jesus Christ, which is the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. They're solidly behind efforts to put the names of every supreme being in the world into Bibles so they can look like they're being culturally sensitive. While claiming that God created those pagan cultures instead of recognizing that there's only one name under heaven by which men may be saved, Acts 4, 12. They're the same people who compromise with uh, most of the preachers on television these days, Christian television, you know, the Joel Osteen's, the Benny Hinn, the Joseph Princes, the Rick Warrens, and on, and on and on and on and on it goes. They frankly preach another gospel because the gospel is one of the most down-to-earth messages ever given on this planet. But you know what? It's generally not well-received especially these days. So it's not there to make glitter Christians. It's there to make sinners saved by grace. By the way, that's you and me, you and I. Of course, this is not only the fault of word of faith teachers, but it's also the fault of Reformed theology Calvinists. They take the freedom that we have in Christ, which is actually freedom from continuing to sin over and over, or to practice sin, like John says in 1 John 3, 4 through 9. They make it seem as though Christians never sin. In fact, that's exactly what Joseph Prince teaches. And then on the other hand, we have semi-Pelagianists and Arminianists who claim that original sin doesn't really make man entirely sinful. But the fact of the matter is that without being born again, people have no forgiveness of sin. They have to confess their sin to Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's because they don't, they don't have forgiveness because Jesus is not their Savior. They must first believe in him and confess that they are sinners and commit their lives to him. 1 John 1, 1.9 in order to be able to obtain forgiveness. Then any true believer will continue in a humble spirit of repentance when they sin, 1 John 1, 10. Realizing that when we sin as believers, being still in this natural, you know, flesh and mind, we have an advocate with the Father, 1 John 2, 1. That is forgiveness through Jesus Christ when we confess our sins to him. But the only gospel many people get from the false teachers today is a gospel of love without the truth. The Bible says that we should speak the truth in love, Ephesians four fifteen. That's the crucial balance. The problem is that many err on one side or the other of that admonishment. Some speak, people speak the truth, but harshly without love. Others speak of love without speaking the truth. I've seen this amply demonstrated by a number of groups, not all, that do street witnessing. Saw this in Waikiki. Many times you'll see one group that has signs telling people they're going to hell without telling them that Jesus loved them enough to come and die for their sins in their place. Others major on the love of God but they don't talk about hell. They don't talk about the sin nature. You know what? Both groups are wrong, and you cannot be saved by listening to their messages. A majority of megachurches today have stripped the gospel of its effectiveness by not wishing to offend people in talking about the subject of sin. They major on using psychology to convince people that that they just need to think positive thoughts. And make positive statements. In fact, some emergent church leaders have even redefined hell as something less than a real place of eternal torment. Matthew 25, 47. You know, when you see the gospel being downgraded and the Bible being added to or taken away from, you're seeing the proof of the apostasy, which is already here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. The apostasy is also not some kind of rapture for the wicked, as certain preachers of pre-trib rapture teach. It's actually a falling away of those who profess to be Christians and the churches that was prophesied through Paul and other apostles. And that it would happen in the end times before the emergence of the Antichrist. Today, apologists and discernment ministries are warning that most churches and denominations are falling away from the core doctrines of the Bible and the gospel message. Most glitter Christians erroneously believe that the modern day church is the most powerful and evolved in the history of mankind. (laughs) What a joke! They believe that the church will rise up and take control of the world governments, businesses, and every other aspect of life. See what C. Peter Wagner said about all this. Quote, see the problem is that Satan has had too much of his way in our society because he has a government. The only way to overthrow a government is with a government. It won't happen otherwise. So therefore, the government of the church has to get into place. In the extended church, it's like we do have it very well in place. We haven't reached our goal yet, but it's very well established in the nuclear church. These apostles in the workplace are the ones that are going to come into the picture. And with them, we will open these gates. Without them, we can have all the prayer meetings we want, all the marches for Jesus we want, all the prayer walking we want. The gates aren't going to be open because it takes a government to overthrow a government. So gate number one, letter A is the gate of social transformation, the gate of social transformation. This gate will be open when we understand about the church in the workplace, that the church has a government, that it takes a government to overthrow a government. And when we understand this, we if we renew our minds, if we embrace a paradigm shift, if we see, if we hear what the spirit is saying to the churches, <laughs> If we recognize ministry in the extended church and government in the extended church, the revival we've been praying for is just around the corner. We will see it. And now I pray for every individual here before you who is in the workplace, who tomorrow and the days to come will be going out to their ministries in the workplace. And I impart to them an anointing. I am part to them an anointing for not seeing a job, but seeing a ministry in the workplace. And I am part an anointing to them and to this whole community to recognize and raise up apostles who will set the church in the workplace in order so that our cities, our communities, our states, and our nations will be transformed for your glory in Jesus' name. C.P. Wagner said that at the Arise Prophetic Conference in California in 2004. Oh, so we don't really see our nations being transformed in a good way, though, do we? They fail to realize that they're simply the living proof of the fulfillment of Scripture when it talks about a woman who rides the beast, Revelation 17.3. They're trying to do the same thing that the world is trying to do, And they join forces. These deluded people believe that they can actually change the world and save the planet. When the Bible is clear that only Jesus Christ can do that when he returns. You know, you don't change the world by Christianizing and legislating morality from the outside. Any true change has to come from the inside out. And that can only be accomplished by the indwelling Holy Spirit as a result of the second birth, when a person truly believes and commits to the Lord Jesus Christ and repents of their sin. That's how true change has always been brought about in the world, not by ruling over people. But according to the New Apostolic Adherence, that's exactly what the new foundational apostles are supposed to do. They're supposed to rule. Here's another quote. You can get a prophetic word, to edify, exhort, and comfort you. But we're talking about now the authorities that God has set in the church. They have an authority in their life that others don't have because you are t- to submit to them because they have the rule over you. That's John Eckhart in 2000. You know, I'm... F- Fortunately, that is in direct opposition to what Jesus told the disciples, that they were not allowed to lord it over people like the Gentiles did, Matthew 20, 25 through 28. But Jesus called called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise uh, authority over them. It's not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And yet, you know, it seems to me that many churches today have as their main agenda ruling the world in the name of Christ. They forget that it's only Jesus Christ himself. Who can rule this world in place of the devil? Who, I hesitate to tell people, is ruling it now. Acts twenty six eighteen. The church was never made to rule over the nations of the world. The saints rule and reign as his servants for a thousand years, only after the second coming of Christ at the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 6, 2-3. Even now, we continue in the mandate that Jesus Christ left us when he ascended into heaven. We are to preach the gospel and disciple believers from all nations until he comes. And of course, that's Mark 16, 15 and Matthew 28, 19. People who call themselves Christians, but are not doing this, are not obeying the Lord. John is quite explicit. When he says that you prove you love the Lord, how? By obeying him. John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. You know, those who do not obey him prove that they don't love him. That's why it's imperative that Christians who are busy trying to dominate the world check themselves to see if they're in the faith. Now, I've written an article about that, as well as produced a DVD on the subject of examining yourself to see if you're in the faith and then holding on. The Bible is quite clear that only those who hold on to their faith in Christ till the end will be saved. John 8, 31, to the Jews uh, who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. 1 Corinthians 15, 2, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Oh, you can believe in vain? That's certain. We've seen it happening everywhere. And yet the deception is so strong and the pull of the world is so attractive that many people who believe they are true Christians likely are not. They call themselves Christians, quote unquote, yet they're masquerading as in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, 13. They are ever more willing to mix all beliefs in one pot and call that Christian tolerance. Pluralism, postmodernism, inclusivism, and outright universalism are now becoming the norm and a way for the world to judge the churches. But you know what? The world is not our judge. Our judge is the coming one, Jesus Christ. Those who wish to live in a postmodern world where they make up their own reality will be slapped in the face with the reality of God's absolute truth one day at the judgment seat. Those who are afraid to spread the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ himself show that they are ashamed of the Lord. And guess what? If they're ashamed of him, then he will be ashamed of them. Luke 9:26 Whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of god will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels You know we don't want to hear the lord say i'm ashamed of you depart from me i never knew you That's not what we want to hear We want to hear Well done, you good and faithful servant.